Cracky Gems Podcast is a lifestyle podcast where I talk about conversation, current events, and curiosities. Join me, Gems Wallet, Thursdays here at Cracky Gems Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. See you there. For podcast advertising, audiobooks, and more, why not check out my shop? Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash made by gem. Hiya and welcome to Cracky Gems Podcast. How are you? I hope that you're doing well. I am Gem Swallow. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new here, welcome to this madness that is Gem Swallow. If you're an avid listener, well, thanks again for pressing play. I hope that you're doing well. Over here, we've got sunshine, but over where you are, it could be completely different. If not, then I'm hopefully going to power you through with a very strong, positive and... How can I put it? cut through to the brass tacks kind of episode. So this episode I am naming Don't Give Me a Success Story because I'll be honest with you, what good are they? Let me add a little bit of context here, okay? So I don't usually talk about one of my health conditions. I did, oh, just going to adjust my hands through kit here. That's better, I can hear myself now. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that, okay. So, um... If you listened to the previous episode that I did with Nina Ambrose and I talked a little bit about my backstory about living with the condition of endometriosis. I don't really talk about it that much to be honest. It's not that it kind of, you know, it's not an upsetting subject. It has been in the past, but I've kind of come to the realization that some months are really hard, other months it doesn't seem to bother me. This month in particular, especially March, April, it's a really, really hard time. So let me give you a bit of backstory, okay? I have lived with endometriosis. I won't say I suffer. There has been moments of suffering, don't get me wrong. Endometriosis isn't one of those pleasurable diseases, because if so, then no one would moan about it. But, um, you know, and rightly so. Let me rephrase. I have been living with endometriosis for the better part of, say, how old was I when I got diagnosed? about four years now I might have had it a bit longer than that but the symptoms have been around me for about four years and so I actually had my operation four years ago it seemed a lot a lot more recent than that but no that seems to be where the time frame is mentally it's been something that because as I mentioned in the previous episode like I said with Nina Mentally, because there's no treatment plan that I'm on, none of my conditions apart from one, really, I'm not on, well, I guess you could say two of them, but in particular endometriosis, I'm not on a treatment plan. I am not on any, you know, I'm not on a form of birth control or the pill. I'm not on anything that the doctors or gynecologists suggest that you take to stop yourself from either having a period or stopping the pain. So for me, It's been a long, hard road. It's been one where I have made a decision about my overall, you know, reproductive health. I know that one of my episodes where I talked about the, you know, one of the episodes that I've done around about three, maybe two years ago now, I talked about the episode in that hysterectomy. And I know that that still gets a lot of plays. If you are still listening to that, thank you. I hope that it is helpful to you. I know that I still get messages on my direct messages on my Instagram saying that it is still helpful. And I wanted to kind of provide a little bit of a backstory on that and also where it is current day. And something that I read 
because March was Endometriosis Awareness Month, I don't know if it's like a, a UK thing, I assume it's like wherever you are in the world, but March is an Endometriosis Awareness Month. And so it kind of coincided with this message that I got and it was kind of left field. I did talk about it in the previous episode and I wanted to kind of open it up a little bit because I know that a fair few of my listeners have endometriosis. If you've maybe come across me recently, it might be due to a cover out on Instagram or wherever you may have found me. I wanted to kind of open this up. So for me, endometriosis, my very first um, memory of it The very first thing that hit home was, as I mentioned in the previous episode, was when I got diagnosed and the gynecologist turned around and said, yeah, we found endo. And back then, it's a little bit hazy now, but I think that's good because I think it means you've kind of, you know, you've moved on, you've evolved from that very moment. And so the gynecologist came into the the place where I was, I just had the operation, which was laparoscopy, and he said, you've got very mild endometriosis that was like the beginning because up until that point I had a feeling that I had had it and I had the you know I had the symptoms like Dr Google when you think okay heavy periods and all the stuff that comes with that and basically pain that's where you think something flags up heavy periods and pain and I remember when the doctor told me you know we found mild endo I've talked about it before, I felt validated, yes, and I also felt like I'd been handed a life sentence because there's no treatment for it. And it's so weird, depending on how long your journey is, because for every woman, and girl really, it depends on like how old you are when you hit your periods, how they are, some women don't have any symptoms, other women get it really badly, myself. For me, it was more about, okay, feelings of something was not right, validation, and then everything that's been in between. So I kind of go about life as if I have a, if I have a problem in front of me or I have something I'd like solving, there has to be a beginning, a middle and an end. Because if there's no kind of time frame to it, then I get ill and mentally it's exhausting. So when I around about say six months if my time frame's right about six months after I found out that I had endo it knocked me because I wanted to be proved wrong my feelings told me that I was right I was validated I didn't want to be I did not want the disease I read up about it I you know I talked to both my other half about it I talked to my mum about it I didn't want to be right it's one of those things where you hope and pray that you're wrong and so I kind of thought right The options available to me were the marina coil, which, as I mentioned before, to me, the thought of having this plastic, the only way I could describe it is a plastic coat hanger shoved up in regions I haven't even seen, doesn't fill me with joy. I mean, I'm wrong, a tampon is difficult enough. And then further down the line, going on to this pill that stops your periods, and they don't tell you about the mental aspect of that as well. I had no mental support, much like a lot of other women. It has been very difficult. It's been lows and highs, much like any other condition, any other diagnosis. Symptoms are bad enough. When you have the symptoms and you think something's not right here and your body's flagging something up, then you get diagnosed and it's kind of like you come up for air a little bit and it's like someone's seen you, your hands out through the ocean, you're like, yes, I'm being seen, the lifeguard's there. 
And then you kind of bob a little bit, and then for some like me, you kind of go under a bit because you're thinking, well, what do I do now? There's no mental help. There's, for me, through where I am the NHS, there has been no mental help with any of my conditions, actually, to be honest with you, but with endo, because it's actually a physical disease. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about what it is, you know, but for like the mental aspect of it it's been really hard going and so I came up with the the thought and the the decision for me that I wanted to have a hysterectomy for me that was a solution you know I have this condition I have this disease I signed I didn't sign up for it I do not remember signing up to that contract and I wanted out I thought I want an aspect of my life you know I want to kind of I don't want to have periods every month. I don't want to have to have the pain. I don't want to have the the feeling of nausea when your period comes, the exhaustion, the sweats, the brain fog, the greasiness of the hair, the greasiness of the forehead, the weight gain, the feeling of frumpiness, the not being able to piece a thought together. Um, and the feeling overall, you might think these sound a bit like PMS, and sure, a lot of these conditions, especially if they're around female reproductive, health they're gonna be right but for me I wanted out and I kind of I read up on hysterectomies I rang up um, you know I read up on oophorectomies which is the um the taking away of the ovaries and at the time when I got my diagnosis it was primarily mild they cut it out but I knew it was going to come back that's the very nature of the the disease I then thought to myself, okay, I'm not going anywhere with trying to push through a hysterectomy. It's not working. It just doesn't want to take. And I kind of thought, I have other conditions too. And I thought to myself, okay, if this doesn't want to take, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to concentrate on other aspects of your life. Because if something doesn't want to take, trying to push a circle into a square, sometimes that's just not good. So... I decided to think, okay, what they require of me when I asked for help, what they wanted me to do was to take a pill to stop my menstruation. And I thought, okay, I had had a polyp removed before, took a pill, and that was to stop me from bleeding. And my mental health took a battering. Literally, I actually felt really low. And it's one of the worst places in my life. I remember being sat in my bedroom just crying, thinking, I don't know which way is up. My my baseline was all off. And I thought, there is no way I'm going through this just to stop myself from bleeding. To me, I mean, it's just not worth it. So I decided to not go back to my gynecologist. It, you know, you had the, you, for, you have like a follow-up appointment. When you have an operation, you have a follow-up appointment. I wasn't invited back. I told them they wanted to put me on this pill to stop me from menstruating. And for me, I didn't want to, as a patient, I have the right to decide what goes on in my body. So I said no. And from that day on, it's been three years now and I've been on my own. If I have pain, I know based on like living with another condition I have about pacing and about, you know, wearing, if I have to, wear maternity um, clothing, if, my, if I feel bloated or don't do anything too strenuous. That's just a coping skill I've developed because there's been no other help. No one, you know, the NHS didn't write to me and say, you know, you've been diagnosed with endometriosis and it's gonna be, a, it's a huge thing 
we would like to offer you counselling should you need it. They didn't come back at me with that. That didn't happen. And um, I just remember it took me such a long time to get through it. Now I can talk about it. Now, I think, to be honest, it was more of a traumatic experience because you have the validation and then you're left high. Then you're thinking, well, where do I go now? Usually the kind of, if you have a problem and they kind of, okay, they, they cut out this thing, you know it's going to go back. As I mentioned, that's the nature of the disease. But for me, when it kind of got cut out, you can feel it. Every month you can feel it growing back. You can feel the pulling sensation. You can feel the bloatedness. You can feel what your endo feels like. You know where it is. You can feel it. You can feel the heaviness. It's there. You know what it feels like. And so for me... It isn't until now, actually, that um, one of my listeners, it's so strange, I guess you could call it healing if you want to. I got a direct message from someone that found out about this podcast episode called Hysterectomy that I did. If you haven't checked it out, please do all go way back there. (laughs) Somewhere in my back catalogue, it is there. And it's one of my most played episodes, which still shocks me to this day, actually. But, um... I just kind of, when I recorded that back in the day, I just remember thinking this is new and I wanted to share it because when I was looking for information about a laparoscopy, I mean, I came across numerous blog posts. There were hardly any podcast episodes on there. And I kind of thought, okay, it was actually my other half's idea about why don't you share it? You know, why don't you talk about it? It's very raw, but I think we're, as I mentioned to Nina in the previous episode, human beings are storytellers. It's like when you get your first, I don't know, when you have your first kiss or if you, you know, if you have your first time with the person you're with, you're kind of, you ask the people around you, if you, if they're not suffering or they are not living with a condition you are, then you look further afield and you think, okay, I want someone that's going to just tell me what I'm facing. I just want someone to say, okay, I'm going through this and this is what's going to happen. The very thing is also that they don't tell you about is that maybe if I'd been a bit older, what I wanted from life maybe would have taken place. So I as I mentioned recently, had a direct message from someone um, that was across the world from me. And I think it was about a week ago now, which is quite something. And um, it kind of came left field, but it actually touched my heart in such a way. And um, yeah, this direct message, I opened it up and this lady was saying she came across my podcast episode and she told me a little bit about her journey. And I thought, well... I actually kind of thought, what a privilege that someone that I've never met, someone that's listened to my voice and that they might be going through something that I'm going through, different journey, maybe different age group, but they're kind of like, you know, I might have helped them in some way. So for me, I I have a a joke, I have a scroll of chronic illnesses that I have and I I really can't keep up with them. I wake up every day and I have other things that I have, you know, I've got the podcast, I have like an offline knitting business or I, you know, I'm busy. In my head I've got like uh, other things that I'm doing. My health, of course, it's like I have to rest, I have to plan and anxiety kicks in as well if I plan and maybe I take too much on. 
but my instinct kind of goes on if this isn't the right path my anxiety kicks in and I have to kind of re-examine it and think okay I'll have to let you go this just seems to be the path I didn't sign up for but this is what this is where I'm at can I change it no but it, it doesn't feel too bad so this month in particular I don't know if it's a season change over here in the UK we are now in spring so I don't know if it's a season change this month has been hell I've been here before it's not new it's a road map that I must have chucked out of my car window because <laughs> I can't find it <laughs> but it's not a new one I've been down this road before you know especially emotionally that's what they don't tell you about the physical aspects of endometriosis are maybe bloating and you can look up on Dr. Google or wherever you are, wherever you get your internet web search from, you know, there's some search engine out there that most people use, I don't know what it is, but whichever one you use, there are symptoms, right? <laughs> different people get different symptoms. For me, this month in particular has been hell on earth, mentally, physically, I can kind of deal with the physical aspects because there is stuff that you can feel and there's stuff you've been there before and if you hold your side people can tell like for example if you hold yourself on the way to go into the kitchen to make a cuppa both your mum and your other half will think okay she's got endo or if I'm kind of if it's in springtime and it's a really warm day and you're having to be glued to your water bottle it's endo if you're thinking oh my goodness I mean how many lots of maternity clothes do I actually have because it's endo and these are the only clothes you can put around your waist area at the moment mentally there are times when the hormones because hormones fluctuate if you're a woman and you suffer with PMS that's bad enough if you have endo sometimes your hormones can be off kilter and that can have effects on you as well so for me this past month I have thought about ending it all I won't lie complete honesty here I have thought about ending it all I have thought about various ways I could do that I've thought about what the repercussions of that could be who would find me how my family would react to that and then I think I've been here before I've, I've kind of <laughs> I managed to get through that and usually you get to that point it's you get to the point where it's like a pressure cooker and it builds up it builds up and that's just it's amazing what hormones can do and then it dips and then before you know it, your period arrives I don't like the fact that if you have endo you get so much tension in your body I don't like the fact that you have to swim through that and you have to kind of it's so difficult and I kind of can't understand why other people don't get a fraction of that as someone that lives with endo especially mentally because what happens to you physically has an effect on you mentally like for example if you feel bloated I mean I've always I've sometimes joked to my other half that I feel like I've got maybe a, a yoga ball or a hot air balloon attached to my stomach you know I could be kind of standing one bit and my stomach's touching the wall that's how big I feel or you feel frumpy, or you think, God, I'm only in my 30s and I feel so ill. Endo makes you feel so ill. When you have your period, what it does to you, it literally drains you. Yesterday was my second day of my period, and literally I felt faint twice. I actually passed out. I've done nothing but sleep, literally because there's nothing else I can do. 
all I've been craving is water to try and hydrate myself. I'm listening to my body, but no one tells you about the fact that in your head, you know something needs to be done. In the treatment of it, as I mentioned in the previous episode, it is medieval. But the one thing that has gotten me through it, and the one thing that has been constant, and the one thing that hasn't gone away is the support. Because I know it, you, I kind of, to be honest, it's, <laughs> I have this relationship with Mother Nature, to be honest with you. I can stand in my bedroom, I can look at my ceiling. I have this with, um, when I have fatigue as well. It's an ongoing, comp- you know, a combo I have with Mother Nature. She knows. I often say, when I get up there, you better start running now. I'll give you a head start. Because when I get up there, i.e. the spirit side, Heads are going to roll. Just saying. So for me, when I'm having bad endo and I think, is that all you've got? Really? Come on, you're supposed to be Mother Nature. But then I remind her. I recycle. I don't do harm to anyone. So come on, give and take it. We're women. We should be, you know. I mean, it says Mother Nature. I don't know what energy it actually is. But I think, come on now. Seriously? You have all different walks of life. You know, come on. You know? But for me, mentally, I came across this column recently. Could be because where I'm at in life this whole week, this whole month actually, has been something that I, even I can write, to be honest with you. I mean, it's like a really bad plot to a really bad film. There's been no... There's no context, there's no dialogue, there's just like someone, it's like a zombie apocalypse type thing, and you just walk in, all you can see is zombies going, that that literally is what PMS feels like, and then you're having to make sense of this, there are so many unanswered questions, but for me, one thing that really, really grated on me, I don't really allow things on social media to get to me, if I'm being honest, they just don't, I kind of have like a thing of, okay, people use social media to be a platform, or it's like a sounding board, that's fine, I mute myself to it, kind of thing, and I think, yeah, yeah, you carry on, darling, you carry on, that's fine, that's fine, you carry on, it'll be tomorrow's chip paper, right, cool, grand, so for me, when I came across this column on Twitter, I'll be honest with you, the way that I was feeling, I just thought, really? I mean, really? Come on, you know? So, this, um, (laughs) I couldn't even tell you what the column was. It was basically about endometriosis. And usually I would, I would just move on past and check out the rest of my, my feed. But this, this was enough of an attraction for me to click on it. I don't know why, I can't tell you why, but this was enough of an attraction to click on it. I guess because, in a weird way, I wanted someone to turn around and say, okay, endo is hard, there's no doubt about it, you know, and the thing, the reason why it was enough for me to press record and do a podcast episode about it is because the, <laughs> what I took from it, more really, really needs to be done about it, okay, so here's the thing, okay, 
When we think about celebrities that have endometriosis, it's not really well known. You might come across like an article of maybe someone in the soap or someone in a movie, you know, they have endo, they don't talk about it. They don't give it oxygen. They don't bring it out and say, okay, fellow livers of, you know, endo or any other condition for that matter. But with endo, they don't come out and say, okay, fellow, we'll use the word sufferers for this example, for fellow sufferers of endometriosis, I myself am an endo warrior, okay, and putting my hand up, this is me, I am an endometriosis warrior, just so you all know, okay, feel free to follow my past career, just so you feel a connection to another human being, okay, just letting you know, I don't know about you, but I can't name one that does that, and oh my god, it grates my cheese. It really does. It crunches my biscuits. What annoys you is, when you think about platforms, okay, it's, I was talking about it with memes in the previous episode, and this is something I can't get my noggin around. Okay, here's where the frustration just bubbles a little bit. So, we're on social media, right? Currently, at this moment in time, I don't know who made up all the roles, but currently, you have to have maybe a large following on social media to be taken seriously. And you have to have a large following on social media. It seems to be Instagram, but you have to have a large following for people to be like, you're a sufferer, or oh my god, in any other department of life, this is what I don't get, okay? any other department of life, you could be in like an actress, you could be an author, you could be, and I, I use this term with inverted commas, an influencer, and hopefully we'll talk about that in the coming episodes, you could be an influencer, you could be in any other department of life when it comes to work and furthering your career, a big following on social media seems to do you well, it really does. It seems to really get you into far places. What angers me, though, is that if you have a chronic illness, you're either treated like you have some sort of plague and people don't want to catch it. However, if someone in your family gets diagnosed with a condition and you're worried about your family member, they then want to find out books audiobooks, websites, blog posts, they want every piece of information known to man to find out and how to maybe support or navigate the disease or condition, however you describe it. For me personally, it's a disease. But any other time, they won't give it oxygen. And I stand there as someone that, if I'm being honest, I didn't grow up with social media. I have talked about this in a previous episode if you want to go on back. I have not grown up with social media. For me, I really, I mean, from the age of 12, I had migraines. No one I knew had migraines. So for me, I kind of learned to, I lived with it, but I didn't really talk about it all that much. I didn't get asked any questions. I didn't, no, no one really bothered with me, to be honest. And it's kind of, I'm kind of glad that they didn't, in a way, because it's kind of like, all right, watch me do stuff. You just won't be a part of it. That's cool. That's fine. But... What angers me is you have all of these celebrities that have followings. Now, what I find fascinating is they might have a large following. Maybe 50% of that following don't interact with them. I think they're called ghost followers. I'm not sure. But 50% of that following won't interact with them. They won't get involved on stories. They won't get involved on any content you put out. They just seem to want to watch you. 
don't know why, don't care, but they just seem to want to watch you. When you have a condition like endometriosis, it's a medieval disease. The diagnosis is medieval. Even if you have a smear test and you're a woman, that itself is medieval. And really, when you think about it, a laparoscopy basically is, if you don't know, if you've never heard of the term, what it is, you go under, under general anaesthetic and they use what can only be described as, they, on your abdomen, for me, I had it around my belly button and I had it on the left hand side of my stomach. You can't see the scars now, it's changed three, four years on, literally they're not there. But they use what's known as, I guess some people will call it keyhole surgery. They go in and very gently they, they observe whether or not you have blisters. That's the only way they can just, the only way you can see it. On the human flesh, they look like blood filled blisters or as I'm known as chocolate cysts. And that's because they contain old menstrual blood. So when they go in, they're looking for either on like a woman's outer pelvis, the, you know, the pelvis muscle, which would be just above her bikini line. They, they literally, I would like to say in a word without sounding too dramatic, they excavate the area. They, they look around very gently because I have to be very careful how they do it. They look around your organs, your reproductive organs, all in the same place. So they look from everything from your ovaries to your pouch of Douglas to everything that makes you a woman they search that area to see if you have endometriosis and if you do they take it out for you but that is the diagnosis the diagnostic method of seeing whether or not you indeed have endo if you do usually the follow-up to that is that they'll put you on some sort of birth control or pill or if you don't see that some sort of coil it might be i don't know about patches that could be for maybe women that are older that are maybe going through the menopause i hadn't i wasn't offered that i was offered an injection so you might have an injection every three months it depends they want to contain the disease because they know that by bringing it out afterwards it will grow back if you still have your period it will grow back your reproductive cycle your estrogen levels it, it builds up to it the estrogen that is its foundation that's what it builds on and then it gets to such a such a time where it gets unbearable for the woman again she might get pain during sex she might get pain during the early stages of a cycle it can be women get no pain except from when they're about to have their period or they might have pain throughout the month sometimes it's it's kind of like a roll of the dice you don't know what you're going to get so that's the only diagnostic way of seeing if you have endo now here's here's like the weird thing about it six months before i was booked in for my laparoscopy i had something called a polypectomy so I had grown all by myself. <laughs> I had grown a growth. Yeah, I know. I can grow many things apparently. Hair, fingernails and polyps. That's what it was called. So for me, I grew a growth. Yeah, great little guy it was. Gave me a lot of pain, a lot of bleeding and it was a whole lot of suffering. And so they had to go in. I've mentioned this before on this podcast. I had to go in and when they did, it was like a scene from Independence Day whole lot of grey on a widescreen TV. I mean, don't be wrong, 
I look back at it now and think, oh, I know I was a star. I mean, really, I do. My innermost working to what makes me a woman was on that screen. You know, I mean, get me, right? <laughs> Who knew that in like three years' time I'd be interviewing celebrities now and then? <laughs> but yeah, when I look back and I think, wow, Gem, you've really arrived, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. When I had the polyp, you could see that. If I had endometriosis in my womb, then you would have seen like this. Imagine you've kind of sprayed water onto something white. No, actually, let's, let's rewind that. Imagine you've got like black water, uh, black watercolour paint, and you've got a white canvas or a white piece of paper, and you've sprayed it. You've gotten bad with your creative self. You know, you've sprayed it onto this white bit of paper. What it would look like, you know, like droplets. If there had been endo in my womb, that's what would have shown up, or that's what I would have seen anyway. When I had my last ultrasound, which was around about two years ago, it was there. There was a lot, and I talked about that in a previous episode. So if you want to find out any more, I think around two or three years ago, there was a whole kind of series on it because I really picked it apart, and I was, I was literally going through a whole journey right there. So that is the diagnostic bit. No one tells you about what to expect. No one tells you about what happens afterwards. And no one tells you what happens if there's no treatment available. So, of course, in three years, as we all know, like with a pandemic, even a year, a lot can change. But in this article, if we bring it up to present day, three years, a lot can change. For me, it hasn't with my journey. I know that endo is still well and truly there. It isn't bad bad when I got told let's, let's kind of come back to that when I when I found out about endometriosis the only things available to me at the time podcasts really weren't out there to be honest and when I was going through now this was like four years ago when I was going through like the whole diagnose, diagnostic thing and trying to figure out like what to do where was I going with this there was no podcast around all I had at my you know, in my army, in my army or my toolbox was the odd blog post that come up. I had to literally scour the internet. I had the odd blog post that you really couldn't connect with the author because a lot of them weren't on social media. There was no way of contacting them. And so I just remember that women defined bad endometriosis as that if you had it, you would be basically in bed or you wouldn't be able to move kind of like for some reason like your abdomen would be that in pain or you'd be in that in pain that your quality of life would diminish so much that you'd literally be for lack of a better word really disabled or housebound and the strange thing is if I add it into a context of my experience the blog post that I read I think three of them jumped out at me right now the context was they didn't share their journey from beginning, middle and end. They, they only shared that they got diagnosed, they had pain, and now they're in a bad way because they found out their ovaries are fused together and it's a complete and utter mess in there and they're waiting for some sort of operation. I really didn't feel that connected as a reader as to, okay, what led to that? Were you, you know, and I was kind of wasn't really invited into the world of endo because no one was being raw enough to open up and be like this is what you can expect this is what the operation's like this is what happens maybe if you have um what's the word 
anesthesia for me i have a condition for chronic fatigue syndrome no one told me that when you have anesthesia meets chronic fatigue syndrome it makes it hard especially on the day of the operation i actually thought about this today and um it's so strange because i can remember i felt so sick because my body didn't know which way it was up so these are all the things i don't tell you about and i wish that someone had but then again, I guess if they had, everyone's journey different. But when I go through the feedback that I've had from this podcast and people say, you know, that they felt better, or I think one of the feedback on Apple or I think it is iTunes is that someone felt like they had a friend in their ear. That touches my heart in a way, because I think good it means as a podcaster, I'm putting it out there that this is what you can expect. This is what the journey remains. It's going to be different for you but this is what you can expect this is what might be coming up for you and you have complete control over your body and you have complete control over your recovery so I'm scrolling on Twitter last week and I come across this article and when it says about endometriosis I think okay I'm, I'm you know I'm going through a rough week give me something inspirational give me something I can build on I open up the article and it's about Olympians. And I think, okay, right, I'll, I'll give this story a little bit of a go. You know, I'll read it. I'll, I'll see what they have to offer me in terms of maybe connection, maybe validation, which, to be honest, at this present time, I don't need. Back in the early days, I did. But I got that. So more, I think, if it's a story, it needs to connect with you. So I thought, okay, connect with me. If you're open to it, share with me your journey. I got none of that. And to be honest, I kind of found it a little bit like I was on a different world. And that's the thing I was kind of sat there as a reader. I was sat there thinking, okay, right. I've conducted interviews, as you guys know. Thank you so much for listening to each and every one of them. If you haven't, and you think, oh, God, Jim, I haven't listened yet, don't worry, I'll let you off. But thank you for putting that on your horizon of things today. So, for me, when I was listening, like, when I was reading these art- this complete column about it, and I thought, okay, I don't know who these women are. I've never met them. I've never seen them on TV talking about the fact that they are championing research into endo, that they are giving their name to the disease and saying, you know, more needs to be done. And I thought okay, right, I don't know who you are, all I know is you're an Olympian, I'm not that into the Olympics, I'll, I'll be honest with you, but okay, you know, willing to learn, if you want to, if you tell me a story and I can connect with it, then great, you know, I'm open to that experience, when I read it, and I thought, okay, there's a number of things here I myself can't connect with, and I actually wrote them down, so, The very first thing was mental health, as I've previously mentioned earlier in the episode, that when you have endometriosis, your mental health takes a battering. And of course, your mental health, you've got to have an adaption period. You're living with a disease there's no cure for. You're living with a disease there's not much treatment for. And you're living with a disease that the only way that they diagnose it with is an operation. And that it doesn't affect all women. Apparently, there's only a lucky selective few. I don't know where I was that day, but I don't remember winning the raffle. And all of this that takes place 
daytime TV, IGTVs, radio interviews, the media that most of us consume, Netflix documentaries. I'm only going to say Netflix, but there are others available too. There are other platforms. All of these places that we consume media, I can't tell you one celebrity that comes forward out of the shadows that says, I have had endometriosis, I'm living with it, and it's goddamn hard. Over here, as I mentioned in the episode with Nina, there is a soap that's happening over here, it's called EastEnders. And a soap basically means if you don't have it where you are, it's kind of like... I guess if you live in Australia, it's your version of Neighbours or Home and Away. If you live in the States, I'm not sure if you have soap. They're also, soap is a shortened version of the word soap opera. So if you have them, then maybe hopefully you'll know what I'm talking about. There's this version of, um, there's a soap over here, long running, one of our most long running soaps, and it's called EastEnders. It's a soap based around the lives, of, uh, fictional lives of people living in the East End of London. And this one character in particular has just been diagnosed with endometriosis after having a miscarriage. When I found out on Instagram that this woman was, you know, that this woman character in the soap was going to live with endometriosis or at least be diagnosed with it, I thought, yes, about time. Endo, I mean, endo is a painful condition. It has been compared in the past to the pain that a woman would suffer having terminal cancer, apparently, or childbirth. So three of the main illnesses is up there. And so when women say, you know, about childbirth and you think, well, my conditions, you know, it's been likened to that. So, yeah, just thought I'd put that out there. So when they talked about the fact that they were going to be doing this character having this endometriosis diagnosis I thought okay now you know let's look at it in context it's just like there are other characters doing other things and they're only going to be able to maybe put like unless they put like a half an hour to an hour long episode we're only going to get stages of the character come through and we're only they're not going to be like showing her bundled over in pain, right next to the toilet, puking her guts up because maybe she's having a bad pain. They're not going to show her in the bath, crying and thinking, make the pain stop. She's not going to be, I don't know, bleeding so heavily she's thinking, okay, I'm going to come through two lots of pads and a tampon. Or they're not going to show what women go through. They're going to show the disease and the diagnostic thing. But because there's another storyline happening with it, they're not really talking about what women go through. And at the moment, as an endo sufferer, I'm thinking, okay, I'm trying to connect with this, but, you know. And another thing is, not every woman that, not every woman gets a diagnosis through miscarriage. Yes, miscarriage is higher among women that have endo, but not every miscarriage is through endo. So there's a lot there that needs to kind of come through at a, an unknowing audience, really. But, so you've had that in the headlines, or that kind of being shown in the media. Twitter being another form of media, though. When, and also the fact that the woman that plays the woman doesn't have endo. So that could be something different, too. You can't really play it unless, it's kind of like everything, you can't really portray it if you haven't kind of been through it. If, that's just my opinion, though. And also, 
when it comes to the celebrities, I kind of find it's like they are known for doing something amazing usually, right? Celebrities to me is a weird word because to me, a celebrity means you, you're good at something, you're doing something, people, are, people know you for doing something, and then you're sharing a part of your life whilst doing it. Like, for example, say, I don't know, let me think of a celebrity. Um, there is an actress over here that's in a soap. It's a well-known fact. She has endometriosis, but she's known for being an actress. She doesn't really talk about her endo all that much. That's the thing that, that's the thing that kind of bugs me a little bit. And the fact that if more women came forward, I mean, you can't tell me that endo being the way it is, it's a painful condition. You can't tell me it doesn't have an effect on people's lives. I don't care if you're a cleaner. I don't care if you're a shop assistant. I don't care if you are like a stay at home mum. I don't care if you are like me and you're trying to figure out your next step, but you're too ill to actually hold down a nine to five job at the moment, perhaps. I don't care what stage of life or what stage of working employment you're in. Or maybe you're a celebrity. Maybe you're in a, I don't know, like an A-list film. Or you've got a movie coming out of the cinema. Or you've got a song coming out on Spotify soon. Any walk of life. I don't care who you are. You can't tell me that endo, if you have it, it doesn't cause you to have a diminished, even for a little while, a diminished quality of life. Because that's what it does. That's the whole point. It's there because you get inflamed and your hormones are reacting to this disease that you have. And that's what I have the problem with. So another thing is, is that the women like myself, now I'm just a woman living in Southampton, UK, that has a, that has a podcast, to be honest. I'm not a celebrity. To be honest, I find the celebrity world a bit of a weird one. I really do. Even when you interview people that are celebrities, it's an interesting one because you kind of have a peek through the door of the world. But a lot of them don't have illnesses. A lot of them don't have chronic illnesses. And when you talk or when you hear them talk about illnesses or whatever, I like to think I educate, but I think a lot more can be done because the people that do have it aren't shedding any light on it. And that's what grates my cheese. It really does. Another thing... If you're a mere mortal like myself, we don't really get celebrated. Here's something that bugs the hell out of me, okay, as a woman. You go onto Instagram, women, one of the things, I guess, one of the main celebrations of life, there are two, I guess, but one of the main celebrations of being a female is if you can get pregnant, okay. Now, there is... A condition called endo, as I'm talking about, but there are also other conditions that don't even get any light shed as well. There's a condition called adenomyosis. There's, what's another one? You have, oh, that's just one that kind of corrupts up because it doesn't get enough oxygen on it. Unless you know people that are on social media and it affects them, and you are familiar with them on your timeline, you're not going to know about it. The only way I know about it is because people have talked about it. And also, when I did my own research into endometriosis, that kept kind of coming up. And I thought, okay, it's either I grow cysts or my, my, you know, my womb is going to be distorted through cysts, which, you know, cysts and growth, which is what adenomyosis is, or I've got endo. It's one of those two. Both are painful conditions and both, as far as I know, don't have any cures. When you look on your, your newsfeed or your timeline, 
or you look on search on your Instagram, you get told about women going through IVF, you get told about women that are going through pregnancy, and it's like, oh my god, oh my god, you got pregnant, oh yay, oh wow, that is like the best news. You're sat there and you're thinking, okay, what about the women that can't get pregnant? When you, when, you watch, when you watch media, one of the most celebrated celebrations you can have as a woman is if you're able to get pregnant. And also if you're able to stay pregnant. If you have a condition that affects your reproductive system, you hear about people having pregnancies, and I guess because they're in the public eye, there's celebration from people they wouldn't normally be celebration from, perhaps. But they go through celebration, and it's like, oh my god, you got pregnant, oh good on you. All I think of is, oh wow, your reproductive system works then. Great, that, that's great, you know, cool, you know. If someone has endo, and I get, to be honest, I'm the same with guys, to be honest, because I know there are reproductive conditions that affect guys that aren't talked about, you know. I assume that if a guy, I mean, don't me wrong, something like endo is painful, and it has a really bad quality of life, but then... When you look at, say, if you are a female, and also it can affect other females as well, let's look at relationships, okay? If you are myself, I'm a straight female, as you guys know, and for me, I reckon my other half, I say to him, you, can, you should have been a gynecologist, you know this much about this, that and the other, but if you are a woman in a relationship with another woman. I don't really want to use labels here. I'm not here to use labels like gay, straight, bi. That's not my thing. But if you are in a relationship with another woman, you might not have a condition that affects your reproductive system. Doesn't mean you're not in that world though, because you're, you're, you, you're around your, your partner, your girlfriend or your wife that's suffering with that. If you're a guy, and say you're someone's boyfriend, okay, here, okay, say you're someone's boyfriend, fiance, husband, and you're trying for a baby, and you can't get pregnant because your wife has this reproductive condition, and it's just not hitting, it's just not taking, you know, you're trying month and month out, and no one talks about that. We're aware of it, we get told about it on our timelines, we get told about it through people that are brave enough to share that IVF story, you know, the pregnancy test, or, you know, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but when you look at this and you think, you have all the, all the weirdest stuff that's celebrated and that has oxygen given to it because it's sexy and because it's attractive and because it, it's like, oh, okay, so-and-so's pregnant, oh, okay, you know, that's cool, that's cool. If a woman can't get pregnant though, no one ever puts out, you're doing great today. Or if they're going through endo. This is something actually that I've been talking to my other half about and I'm going to talk about it in the coming um, episodes as well. I'm going to talk about the thing called imposter syndrome. So make sure, make sure to uh, stay tuned this way. But no one talks about the bad stuff. They celebrate the stuff it's easy to celebrate like pregnancy announcements or maybe the births, that kind of thing. But if women can't get pregnant or hold on to a pregnancy, or it's, they can't even think about getting pregnant because they're in so much pain and their reproductive system is in such a mangle because they can't find a cure for it, I have an issue with that. And I also have an issue where 
people talk about it, but they also talk about it the way that, oh, it don't define me. Oh, no, I have this mindset where it doesn't define me. Sure, I suffer every now and again, but I just power on through because this is what I'm known for. And this is what, you know, this is what my life is. And I think, oh, okay. Right, so we read it and we get patronised. Cool, that's good to know. I'll keep that one under my seat. Cool, I'm, I'm really glad to know that. Cool, thank you. But I understand women go through varying degrees of pain, but I think, please don't patronise other women's illnesses. Because the people that are getting platforms, they're not talking about it. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that... It, what I find fascinating is, okay... I remember recently, before Christmas, I actually contacted my local MP. I had gotten sick to the back teeth of the fact that I wasn't supported. Since being a child, I must admit, I have, like I said, I had a condition when I was 12 um, that's followed me all through my life. It's a neurological condition. It's called migraine. And so back in the day, I think my life could have, maybe it turned out the way it should have done. Maybe I've been more empathic, more sympathetic to my fellow human because it didn't go the way that my peers, you know, my peers' education did. But as an adult, when I look over a, a lifespan of my childhood and the fact my education was somewhat different than my peers and there should have been a ton more that should have been available, but weren't. When I look back and I think, if I was an adult now, I know it's a different time, but I think more support should have been given. More opportunities should have been given. Myself, as an adult, that was my experience as a kid. Can't rewrite history, can't change anything. And some of the lessons that were there weren't mine to learn. I observed them, but they weren't my lessons to learn. So for me, when I look about it as, for example, I take great pride in the fact that I'm a podcaster. I don't have a huge platform, but that's okay. Because if I'm meeting the right people, and if, I'm, if someone out there, it could be you, if someone out there is going through a really rough time with endo, or they're thinking maybe in the next five years, I'd love to start like trying for a baby with my other half, or there are so many layers to living with endometriosis that no one talks about but if I'm connecting with you I'm trying so hard to get seen because it's weird actually when you interview people that know people that are celebrities or you interview celebrities it's weird my other half asked me this question recently and um it's a weird one so I was beginning to get the end of my premenstrual tension and my period was coming up and literally I couldn't think straight and I was thinking about all the celebrities that I would love to talk to because I'm nosy and I'd love to know how different their lifestyles are and so I take great pride in the fact I am a podcaster because I get to ask questions that normally maybe wouldn't be asked and you kind of get to ask questions that the person that's agreed to come onto the podcast, you kind of feel like an element of honour because they've opened up on a specific subject. So for me, Jack actually asked me recently, if you were a famous podcaster or say, I don't know, like you're a famous radio presenter, would you talk about your illnesses? 
I'm of the mind it depends on the day you ask me. <laughs> but I kind of think now I would because I know it's not sexy to talk about them. And if you are listening and you have chronic illnesses, you've probably gone through the same thing of when people ask you what's wrong with you. If you have more than one condition or two, people's heads seem to explode and they can't fathom what it is you're talking about. But if I could blow open the whole thing of this is what's happening, but I think that's a fascination. People seem to be attracted to it if it's sexy, attractive, or if they are suffering with it themselves. The other kind of parts of life, the other things that people don't talk about, the stigmas, the taboos, the health conditions that people don't really talk about, that's the reason why. Because no one's brave enough to kind of share the oxygen. And that's what I find really interesting. On daytime TV, for Enzo in particular, in the past month, I've heard about endometriosis that many times. There's no information at all. I have talked about it. One, two, three, four, five, quite a lot, as you can imagine. My decision to have a hysterectomy, if it, was, if it was given to me right now, my decision would be yes. Without a shadow of a doubt, I would. If I would be able to, I have a family history of cancer female cancer which really really blows because there are so many options available that if I had to go through the menopause I would like to try but if someone said to me bear in mind I'm in my 30s but if someone said to me Jem I can grant you a hysterectomy and an oophorectomy would you have it if I could get back the quality of life those meetings you might have to cancel because you're in too much pain or you can't think straight. If I can get back the time where I can't sit with my family for a, a, a amount of time because I'm exhausted through it, wouldn't you? So for me, nothing's changed. As I mentioned, I contacted my GP, not my GP, my MP recently. And I said to him about so many people are suffering with endometriosis, please, can we have more funding into it? Please, can we have more? Can the government talk about this? I kind of, I didn't tell him I was a pod. Actually, yeah, I did. I think I told him I was a podcaster. And to be honest, I have thought about having endometriosis charities on the podcast and saying, what are you doing? You know, like, how are you getting the word out there? Um, what is new in treatment? I am curious. I don't know if you guys would be interested in that. But... It is exhausting as well. There is way more that you'd like to do. I can't stand at a picket fence, chain myself to the railings and say something about endometriosis needs more funding. I can't, you know, walk on a long walk through some, I know, London's something or other park and kind of <laughs> with a great big plaque saying that more needs to be done. I'm not a celebrity that can, you know, have a column written where I can say, yeah, I'm kicking it, you know, endo is there, it hurts, but, you know, I'm a forward thinker and these are the goals I'm smashing. 
can't do that. I don't have that platform, unfortunately. What angers me is that you need a big platform. That throws me off completely. I'm, I'm spun out by that. I really am. But when I contacted my MP, my MP said that he has told his fellow MPs about it and they're waiting to talk about it in the House of Commons. And I thought, now this was just before Christmas, we're now in April, and it's like, wow. I mean, not that I'm surprised. I mean, really? But it's like, wow, you know? And it's strange because, yet again, it's something you can't see. The only way that people really know about it, I guess, is if you are trying for a baby and maybe if you and your other half are trying so hard to get pregnant and maybe you've had miscarriages or maybe you're going through IVF or something and something's not taken, then it would seem, well, people are aware of it because it affects other people's lives. You might have someone that wants to be a grandmother or an uncle or a granddad. And that's the only reason why people really talk about it. If you're a sufferer, and you're not planning on extending your family or getting pregnant, if you're not planning on that, I can understand why some people would feel like it's hopeless. I just think, to be honest, the media need to get their butts into care. That's what I think. And I promise, so long as the podcast keeps going, I would advocate for it. And it's the only thing I know how to do. When I talk to people about the fact that I have chronic health conditions, I have a podcast and, you know, I kind of think of myself, I am a presenter, I'm a producer, it's up to me what I talk about. I don't have a fellow, I don't have a producer behind the scenes telling me that I have to talk about this subject or that subject. It's up to me what I share and I'm open to all inquiries, I'm open to all comments, I'm open to all direct messages, I will help where I can. When... I got the direct message, I think it was about a week ago, from the lady that lived across the world. And um, she started following me on my Instagram. And when she was so open, I thought, okay, I'm happy to talk about my journey. You might not get, I mean, I get that some people aren't. That's totally fine. There's no right or wrong way. But there's someone that's suffering right now, in this current moment in time. We all know stuff needs to be done. But then again, in this current moment of time, it's just one department of our life. And there will be other sufferers coming. Like when I talked to Nina last week, you know, or was it this week past? <laughs> Let's say last week. Okay, this is going out on a Monday. So when I talked to Nina last week and she said, you know, her daughter might have endo. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like I said to Nina, I'm the first female in my family that I'm aware of that has endo. And... I'm just glad, really, you can't seem to um, talk to the people in power. I don't know why. Maybe because they're all men. I don't know. I mean, I mean, that's just like an off-the-cuff comment. I mean, nothing about, you know, not all men are painted with the same brush. But we all know what men in power are like, let's be honest. But for me, my pledge basically has always been the same. I can talk about it. If it helps, that's great. Only great things can come. But um, you can only do what you can do, right? So I just wanted to talk about it. And the fact that I don't think we need to have a success story. We don't. I know most of us are growing up looking at magazines and the fact that, you know, celebrities are doing it and that. 
we found that by celebrities talking about it, it doesn't really get much exposure. And the ones, I mean, we just pretty much identified the fact that females don't really talk about this, especially if they're celebrities. But I think when they paint it as a success story, like, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that, okay, so-and-so has endo, but they, you know, they've conquered all odds, and they've done this, or they've done that, and it's like, how is that helpful? I think having a success story, if you want to call it that, for this argument I'm going to, I think that really kind of puts you in a, in a way of comparing your struggle with someone else's, and that all this opportunity has come to someone else, and that it's not come to you. I don't think that's healthy at all. I really don't. I think that's the culture that we built up, that the only way people can identify with something is if there's a success story, you know, with it. Like, for example, a woman could be going through IVF. They're only going to identify with it if she gives birth to a bundle of joy. Or a woman has endo. They're only going to identify with it if she has a hysterectomy and she's lying in a hospital bed recovering. There seems to be, like, with everything, there seems to be an end goal. There might be an end goal, but maybe the end goal could be that you managed to do something that day that you thought you couldn't because you were, you know, you were bowed over in pain, you know? It could be maybe you was able to have a conversation with a family member. You don't have to show up and do like, I don't know, like, I run a marathon, but I have endometriosis, or, I don't know, something else that people celebrate, or... I sat through a movie and even though I was in between takes, sat on like my chair hovering hot water bottle because I have endo. Don't give us a success story because we can't get there. We really can't. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that in an upcoming episode. So if you like what you hear so far, please do press follow wherever you're listening to or listening from. But success stories, I think, are so bad. I think that they are so... They lead to the need to compare. I think you can have it in a, whatever you're struggling with, you know? I mean, we've talked about the fact, like, you know, we've talked about relationships, we've talked about, in any, you know, your job, that kind of thing. You might have had to give up your job because you're in so much pain, but your story is that you're able to then have that energy and concentrate on the fact you're putting one foot in front of the other. You might have had to give up your, maybe your dream, but there might be another thing coming up for you that you maybe can't get to yet, but you can empathise with people. I don't, I think that's where people go wrong. There are pathways that lead you to where you need to go, and it might be different than what we thought, but I think that comparing yourself to, it's kind of like when you're a kid, or if you have a kid, and they do something well, and they give you, they say, okay, can I have a chocolate bar? That's their success. They won that chocolate bar, or they won that gold star. I guess that's what we're, we're kind of raised to expect. But what happens if that doesn't happen? What happens if you go through the struggle and there is no success story? Or maybe for you, your success story is that, maybe like me, you're going through pain, You've tried to get connection from all these different sources. Some of it's hit right in the bullseye. Others have really hit off and gone somewhere else. You're like, okay, that story just does not sit well with me at all. Or maybe you might have come across a podcast and you think, this is what I'm on. This, this literally helps me with where I am. And I think maybe if you connected with me, then hey, that's great. That might be a success story. 
That might be the, the one thing you need to put one foot in front of the other. For me, I'm going to talk about this in an upcoming episode. But for me, I think little accomplishments are great. But I think aiming for that success story where you can look back and you can think conquering all odds, you're just kind of setting yourself up for a fail a little bit, perhaps. But that's just how I see it. Maybe you disagree, maybe you agree. Let me know on the the post of this this episode on my Instagram, at Radio Gem, if you're listening and you want to follow me. And um, let me know what you think. Maybe you agree with success stories. Maybe they have helped you in the past. Maybe you think it's about comparison. Um, let me know what you think. And, uh, yeah, you might, you never know, you might even get read out in an upcoming episode. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, that one. But thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I know it's a bit of a long one. I thought that this would be coming out on a bank holiday Monday, Easter Monday over here in the UK. So, um, it's usually a bank holiday. Maybe if you're not working or if you're not up to much, maybe you can listen to me with wherever you are. Let me know where you listen to from and you might even get a shout out as well. So, um... Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for pressing play. Do you say tuned to all the details that you need are coming up if you want to follow me on any social medias or that kind of thing. Also, while I've got your lovely ears, if you're having piercings, love those. <laughs> I had to. Okay, so if I, while I've got you here, if you get a chance, please do go over to my Etsy shop, etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash made by gem. I have some audiobooks there, and if you want to have some a great story, I have one over there at the moment that I'm mega proud of, and that is to do with a cake making aisle. It's a comedy, so if you need a little bit of light relief, maybe you need like a little bit of positivity in life. Do make sure that you can you can buy that and you can download it, and um, every little helps, doesn't it? I know that's a tagline for Tesco over here, so I probably shouldn't use that. That's a supermarket, in case you didn't know. Didn't know where that came from, but you get the general idea, right? So, uh, yeah, all the details you need are coming up right now. Thank you so much for pressing play. I am Gem Swallow. This is Cracky Gems Podcast, and I will talk to you soon. Take it easy, and I'll speak to you in a bit. Until then, bye. Thanks so much for listening to Quirky Gems Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will speak to you again next week. If you want to follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, check out at Radio Gem. See you soon.